0: You're listening to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast, sponsored by the Classic Motor Hub. Hi, everybody, I'm James Walley, and it's a warm welcome back to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast, sponsored, as you just heard, by the Classic Motor Hub. It really is quite a place. If you're ever in the Cotswolds, do go and have a look around. They have an incredible collection of wonderful classics for sale. And even if you're not in the market for a D-Type Jaguar, a Ferrari F355 or a 635 BMW or any of the wonderful collection of cars and motorbikes that they have in their historic hangars, do stop in for a coffee and a good nose around. Now, it's a very special episode of the Ultimate Road Trip podcast this week, and my guest needs very little introduction. I'm joined by three-time Formula One world champion, the Flying Scot, Sir Jackie Stewart. The term legend is not to be used lightly, but in Sir Jackie's case, it's a no-brainer. From his early competitive years in the British shooting team, winning several national championships, then as a racing driver, winning his first F1 World Championship with Matra in 1969, and then his second and third with Tyrrell in 71 and 73. He's been a fierce advocate for safety in Formula One since the late 1960s and has been involved in racing in one way or another since he retired, with commentary and advisory roles and, of course, as a team owner, initially setting up with his son, Paul Stewart Racing, in 1988 and then Stewart Grand Prix in 1997. In 2016, he founded the charity Race Against Dementia, which has been set up to fund pioneering research into the prevention and cure Of dementia he's described it as one of the biggest challenges of his life after his wife lady helen was diagnosed with the illness i've been really lucky to interview sir jackie several times in the past usually just before he's about to jump in and drive one of his historic grand prix or touring or can-am cars so to be able to sit down and chat with him at length albeit virtually over zoom in the middle of the pandemic was a huge privilege As well as his Ultimate Road Trip, we covered many topics, including Race Against Dementia, his early years of shooting and racing, and of course, his beloved Scotland. And it's an honour to welcome Sir Jackie Stewart to the Ultimate Road Trip podcast, live from his home in Switzerland. Sir Jackie, thank you so much for your time this morning on the podcast. Also to talk, of course, about Race Against Dementia, which we'll come back to. But first of all, welcome to the Ultimate Road Trip Well, thank
1: you very much indeed. Uh, Obviously, roadshows are an important part of everybody's life.
0: That's right. They've taken a bit of a back seat, though, haven't they? This year has obviously been unprecedented in terms of what we've been able to do with the lockdowns and the restrictions. How has it been personally for you, considering uh, your continued work with companies such as Heineken and your ambassadorships and uh, your F1 commitments? It's obviously been a very different year. I spoke to you at Speed Week last year. Uh, The Duke of Richmond put on that amazing event, but it's it's been a different kind of year, hasn't it?
1: Well, I've never had more time off uh, than I've had in these last year, months, really, and almost, I suppose, more than a year. I've been at home longer than I've ever been at home since I was a wee boy, because I started off with my shooting at the age of 14, going around Scotland to begin with, then going down south, then going to Ireland, then going to Wales, and then going international when I was shooting for Great Britain at the same time. And that took me from 14 years of age till uh, I was 23, uh, when I started my driving career. So even then I was running like a, a rabbit because in those days, a racing driver Um, drove sports cars, GT cars, Indy cars, Formula One cars, Formula Three cars, Formula Two cars. (laughs) I mean, so we were doing many more races than a a current Grand Prix driver does. So my life has been a very busy one. And now I've been living a very calm life, in fact, and spending an awful lot of time with my wife, Helen. Uh, So therefore, and the rest of my family. So in in many respects, it's, it's been a gift. But of course, um, I'll be bloody glad when we get back to normal life again.
0: That's right. You say important with family time, what it has managed to do over the past year. I've been really interested in and love watching your memories videos, which, of course, you've uh, you've put on uh, the Internet uh, to help promote race against dementia, which is, of course, the latest challenge of yours. uh, And uh, it's obviously a very important challenge. uh, charity that you've set up to find a cure for dementia and uh, preventative uh, medicine and you've just uh you've said recently that it's the greatest challenge you've ever faced but just going back to the memories videos we'll talk about race against dementia in a, in a second your memories videos which you've done like this over zoom you've managed to speak to some of your friends from uh, racing from industry and of course royalty with Her royal highness uh, the princess royal so it's been a great opportunity for you to speak to your friends about this very important charity that uh, you're now spearheading.
1: Yes, uh, it's a global charity because it's a global problem. More people die with dementia than any other illness um, and we're very far behind in many ways. I mean for every Uh, one scientist in dementia, there's four in in cancer, for example. So we've got to change that. We've got to get more things done because there has been no cure for over 40 years. And that seems ridiculous in today's world. Uh, We get people to go to the moon and we get all sorts of other things happening. And yet for over 40 years, no cure. And now more people die of dementia than any other illness. So it's a very serious situation to, to be faced with. And now the statistics are telling us that um, for everyone uh, that's born today, one in three are going to have dementia yeah. and, and we've got no cure or no preventive medicine. So that's why I started it up because of Helen, who was my timekeeper, my lap charter, uh, and we've been married over 57 years now and we've got two wonderful sons, but we've now got nine grandchildren and, and two daughters-in-law, it's wonderful. So it, it's been a great trip for me, my, my whole life in fact, but um, I've had more time at home for this terrible epidemic, if you like, yeah. uh, but my Rolex time and my Heineken time and my Formula One time have, have now become very few and far between in comparison to my normal life.
0: Yeah. You were talking about uh, your Formula One time, obviously, with Race Against Dementia, the very exciting uh, spearheading is bringing the F1 technology into the medical laboratories is what you want to do. Out of the box thinking, you're saying, you've said in the, in, in interviews and and using F1 thinking in, in finding uh, to attempt to find that cure for dementia, which is unprecedented it's, uh, in the medical profession, I would have thought.
1: Well, um, Formula One definitely uh, has faster problem-solving skills than any activity in the world, and I would say even beyond a- aerospace, uh, because there are more Grand Prix races than there are shots to the moon or shots to space, yeah. uh, and every two weeks, more or less, in the world and 22 Grand Prix and 22 nations in the world. So there's there's got to be performance, and performance is changing constantly in Formula One, whether it's Red Bull or whether it's Ferrari or whether it's McLaren or whether it's all these other great teams that have an amazing number of people doing research and development on a continual basis, far beyond anything that happens in health, actually. So that's why we're using the model Formula One uh, in trying to find a cure for, and preventive medicine for dementia because the, it's, it's a terrible illness for so many people and, and, and really few people can afford what I'm able to afford by keeping Helen at home with seven neuro nurses. I mean, only two at a time, but 24 hours a day, we've yeah. got to have two people with Helen. And that's very, you know, very unusual to be able to do that. Now, I'm very happy to be doing it but when I go to as many homes as I do to see the conditions that these people have to live in uh, so lonely without their own family and of course with the epidemic it should become even worse. Very difficult. So yeah. it's been a very difficult
0: couple of years or so. We shall come back to Race Against Dementia so Jackie let's crack on though with the main part of the podcast if you will uh, which is the ultimate road trip which is seemingly five very simple questions but they can conjure up lots of memories those questions themselves and it has done for the, my past interviewees some you know nick mason uh, john Oates, the singer i've had on uh, he mentioned your good self uh, when he was talking about racing uh, and going to racing but we'll start with the car um you've driven in so many different series as you've already alluded to F1 drivers of uh, your day in the late 60s and early 70s had to drive lots of other cars, Can-Am, Le Mans, sports cars, touring cars. Uh, and uh, you said in your in your uh, autobiography, winning is uh, not enough, that your first car was an Austin A30. And I, I love the fact that you said that was perhaps the first and the last car that you bought with your own money, because of course, all your associations with teams and industry have allowed you uh, cars from uh, other sources. Um, and of course, you've driven as well as single seaters you've driven db4s gt40s the 250 lm you've mentioned so it might be quite difficult to concentrate on one particular car but what would your car be for your ultimate road trip the make the model and the color if i could specify that at all
1: well if i were doing my trip as you describe um it would be surprising to most people that I wouldn't be saying it's a fancy Aston Martin or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Porsche or something of that kind. In fact, if I were to do my my perfect road trip, it would be in a Range Rover right. and it would be in Scotland because I would want to start off in Loch Lomond and um, the Bonnie Bonnie Bank and I would drive northwest from there, and I would use the Range Rover because it's a high car, and I would be looking over the the barriers and looking over the hedges and getting a real feel and a vision of the beauty of Scotland and the west coast of Scotland particularly. So to go up from Loch Lomond and see the bend, Ben Lomond, and go up from there into Glencoe, Um, it's just spectacular. And to be in a vehicle that you're just that wee bit ahead and above everybody else, you see more. Um, So therefore, I do it, uh, I try to do it every year, usually with my two sons, Paul and Mark, and the three of us just go together. And we go up there, and, and of course, one of the great things about Scotland is, apart from... The Western Highlands, the beauty of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I live in Switzerland currently. And, of course, the mountains we have in Switzerland, I overlook Mont Blanc as well, uh, is a much higher mountain than anything that we have in Scotland. But yeah. ours is r- rugged. A lot of the other places in Austria or Switzerland and some of Italy, of course, as well, and even some of Germany, they're picture postcard in comparison. This is rugged, yes. natural beauty. And in addition to which, if I'm driving up the western coast of Scotland, I can stop off in a lot of different places and get into car ferries and go to the Highlands and the islands, the islands of the part that most people don't realise. You can go to Iona, to that wonderful place that Christianity was born, Um, and that, and you can go to so many different islands in the same day, even and see the beauty and the peace and the quietness and and no great rush of people either. <laughs> so that would be my way of, of driving in that fashion. And whether I was driving or whether Paul and Mark were doing the driving is just as easy. We see more from that height. And if I recommended anybody to go, it would be to go to Scotland. It doesn't matter if they're golf players or not, because you could play golf in almost every wee village in Scotland there's a <laughs> golf course. But it, it has tremendous history to it, Scotland. And the islands, as well as the islands themselves, are so beautiful and not big populations and just sheer beauty. And, whether it's, and of course, Scotland's famous for its rain as well. Yes. But, again, the, the moods car, of the climate it? in Scotland are so fast they change all of the time
0: so th- that would be my my favorite have you been a fan of the range rover since its inception of course 50 years just over 50 years since uh, charles spencer king designed the original two-door which i still think is one of the great automotive designs but the current range rover still is a car, of course, it's nothing like it, this original version with the spray out uh, uh, seats and the interior, but it's still a car for every occasion from the Highlands to the city. Has it been a, a particular favorite car of yours since since the yeah, 70s?
1: Nowadays, is nowadays probably my favorite car um, because I've got a long wheelbase one, which right. gives a bit of extra space in the back and so forth and I've got it in Scottish blue, dark blue, and I've got it with beige upholstery, and it's a very, very comfortable car uh, to drive, uh, and as well as being a passenger. So for my drive to heaven, uh, which is Scotland for me, um, and the beauty that it has, uh, and the people, Uh, it's a lovely, wonderful combination uh, and as I say, the, the car ferries are running all of the time to almost all of the islands. And you go right up the northwest. The northwest is the beauty. I know there's a lot of nice things in the south and that goes the in the east as well. But the ruggedness and the, the reality of it and the number of islands, you know, there's, 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 there's still saltwater, you know, way that goes right into the country, yes. right inside the country. As well as the, the you know the soft water lakes and as they call them in England, yeah. but that's a, a, an English word. We have we have lochs, uh, and and really the castles and the history and the the whole bit about Scotland. It's it's one of the best kept secrets I think in the world, um, and it, it's just so nice to be able to as a Scot. Go back there and every time I'm taken aback by its beauty and its splendour and its ruggedness and and you drive up there and you see these wonderful deer you know a yeah. big stag with you know nine to
0: twelve angles you know it's just beautiful. Let's talk about the the beauty if I could just make a quick quote Sir Jackie, from your autobiography a little piece those days on the hills around Loch Lomond gave me an appreciation both of the countryside and the people who live and work within it. And you talk about the people as well as the, uh, as the landscape, which, uh, which was wonderful. I mean, it's a, a, a pion to, to Scotland, your autobiography, and you obviously have a deep love for, for the country still.
1: Well, uh, you know, my early days living not too far from Loch Lomond and um, I was, my grandfather was a gamekeeper. My father was a great shot, my brother was a great shot too, as well as a good racing driver, Jimmy Stewart. And I was brought up with a gun in my hand. And at the age of 14, I won my first clay pigeon shoot. Uh, on New Year's Day, everybody else was intoxicated and I was a 14 year old not drinking anything. And so therefore I won my first big trophy. But my, my shooting, um, followed on, and for a long time I was deer stalking up, deer up the Ben Ben Du, which is above Luss uh, on, the, on the Loch Lomans uh, there, and I did that with a wonderful gay, you know, deer stalker called Duncan Macbeth, who taught me so much about life, not just about how to walk up a mountain and how to get in amongst the deer the right way and what not to shoot only shoot the the poor stags or the poor hinds never shoot the nice because they're breeding all the time so that education was enormous and and to do with my whole life and my appreciation of of everything that goes on Um, and because you become a racing driver and then you become global that foundation is a very major part of anything that I've ever done. And it's been a big benefactor to me. And I've met so many people from every walk of life now, not just racing people, because that can be very boring. Uh, In any world, you don't want to be just, you know, with that little group of people that you can't, you know, constantly live with. Variety is the spice of life. Yes, it's fantastic. Uh, in any case, I'm I'm still a proud Scot, um, and and as I say, the beauty of it, and you know, like Lancia did that wonderful painting of the, the stag. The, uh, the, the, it's one of the best paintings in the world for me. It's just that is Scotland, sure. uh, and I think that. I'm lucky enough to be able to go back there on a regular basis as I wish, and I try to do it every year to drive up the west coast of Scotland. You know, as I say, I tell everybody, fly to Glasgow, rent a Range Rover,
0: yes.
1: and, and take, I mean, you can't do it in less than four days, and it should be six or eight days, really. To do it Because properly. the yeah. number of nice restaurants there are and the nice hotels there are, but the beauty of the place, and you will see the sunshine and the rain for sure. Yes. But bring your raincoat, that's for sure also.
0: So that's the third question. And the second question was be, why that car? We understand the Range Rover and and the reasons behind it. And obviously the destination was going to be my third question, which you've already answered, because you've alluded, you're travelling the world. I was going to ask, is it going to be abroad or uh, UK? But you're travelling, as you say, started when you were shooting, way before you were a racing driver, winning the British Championship, uh, skeet, clay pigeons, and then European Championship. So the time you've taken travelling, crisscrossing the globe it's wonderful that it's, uh, you've said you're coming back uh, to Scotland and a couple of places that again in your book you mention uh, was the Rest and Be Thankful where you saw which is one of the locations for the, for the hill climb you went to and you've done a lot of testing because uh, I'm sure a lot of your fans will know your R&D uh, for Ford in developing the Mondeo and the F-150 that you mentioned in your book but the test route that uh, you've taken many cars on when they were being developed of course was around that area saying through the dunblane area in the A83 so uh, uh, it's not surprising that's where you've chosen i uh, just like to say gordon murray chose scotland as well because uh, the north coast uh, 500 of course is a very famous route now that has been on the tourist maps and so that's another wonderful route in scotland that a few of uh, including Daria franchitti who you well know he chose he chose up there not surprisingly uh, so that's the destination well Gordon Murray, of
1: course, uh, has got a lovely house in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and his mother was Scottish, uh, you know, so there's for, there's a lot of good stuff in him. Uh, and I think, you know, the the, the Scottish uh, racing drivers uh, have been very successful. If you think about it on all of these years, the one Le Mans, Scottish racing drivers with the Curie, of course, Ron Flockhart and, And uh, Jimmy Stewart and Ian Stewart, Ian Sanderson and uh, James Scott Douglas and a whole lot of other folk, uh, Lawrence as well. Uh, It was great. Um, No, no, Scotland is a wee country with an enormous amount of success. I mean, if you think about it television was created by a Scotsman, the telephone was created by a Scotsman, the American Navy was created by a Scotsman. <laughs> uh, for a wee country, and we're not very many people in the country, we, the population hasn't grown, it's just stayed pretty stable. One of our greatest exports is people. Yes. Everybody wants to go abroad, and they come back as Scots and never forget their Scots. So, Uh, And look at me, I'm living in Switzerland most of my life, uh, and yet Scotland is my first choice for somewhere to go. Uh, I used to be a golfer, so therefore there, St Andrews, I'm a member of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews, um, and I'm proud of it. Uh, and again, when the Open Championship is held at St Andrews, it's better than anywhere else in the world for that matter because of its history, etc. cetera. Yeah. So Scotland has a lot to offer and, and it's a well-kept secret. We've never, you know, you have seen very few television commercials on Scotland. You see more in Malaysia and Thailand and, 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 and Italy and, and God knows where, not very often in Scotland. So, Uh, This should be presenting Scotland uh, and and thinking about it to drive up because our roads are in great condition as well. We don't have as much traffic as there is down south, so our road conditions are considerably better. So uh, I think um, we've got a great history of motorsport, apart from anything else, the Curie, of course, and David Murray was the man who started that, and the Border Reavers who got Jim Clark started. And Barry Filer got Jackie Stewart started. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is, but unfortunately, he passed away with dementia, by the way. Right. But he, he, without Barry Filer, I would probably never have been a racing driver. So uh, as a wee
0: country, we're, we're pretty well off for having achieved quite a lot. But just going back, to Jackie, to your involvement in Scottish racing drivers with Paul Stewart Racing and uh, Stewart Grand Prix. Of course, the names are household now. David Coulthard, Dario Franchitti, Alec McNeish. You're behind or you helped the drivers when they were young in their careers. So people helped you. You've helped many other drivers as well. Gilles de Ferrand, Juan Pablo Montoya. You've had a lot of success with Scottish and uh, racing drivers from across the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we had Paul Stuart racing, and Stuart Grand Prix, of course, um, was very Scottish in its colour scheme and the tartan swish going through the car. Uh, and we had all of these wonderful drivers from Brazil and uh, elsewhere uh, to come and drive for us. Um, and and like you said, to bring along the David Coulthars and the Alan Mcnishes and the Dario Franchitis and people of that kind. And, and if you think of it, it, even went to broader areas where where we had, you know, Montoya, as you mentioned, and Castro Nevis and, and Indianapolis winners, and as well as, uh, you know, great names that are still very much part of our so-called family. And it's lovely because I'm still involved in Formula One and going around the world all the time. So when I get to Brazil, I see all of the drivers who... Uh, you know, we're, were puppies when they came over to start single seater racing. Um, and that we helped them on that staircase. Uh, so it's been a, that's part of our life has been good. And obviously Paul, my son, uh, my elder son, uh, you know, was very much part of that. Yep. And Mark now is a very successful um, filmmaker. And he's very creative. We're all dyslexic, by the way. I'm an extreme dyslexic. I can't read or write correctly. I don't know the alphabet. I don't know the words of the Lord's Prayer. I'm a really bad example of a a dyslexic. But um, Paul and Mark are also dyslexic. And sometimes they're very creative. And, you know, when you hear of other people like Steven Spielberg or Harrison Ford or, or, uh, you know, Einstein was dyslexic. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci was dyslexic. Lots of these people were. And, and uh, you know, that in a funny sort of way has been part of my life as it is uh, when you're more creative. Yeah. And, and when you are creative, you know, our racing team started as a staircase of talent, not just for drivers, but for mechanics, engineers, marketeers, everybody was part of it. So th- that, that, part of my life is was a sort of different part but it was based on the same
0: on the same program <laughs> But again, the success, obviously, that hasn't hindered your success. And I I mentioned earlier about thinking outside the box. I mean, that's been a part of your MO since you had that accident in uh, Spain when you uh, broke your, fractured your wrist and you uh, undeterred and you went to find somebody who could help you continue racing. And then, of course, with the race against dementia, again, you're finding new ways of treating uh, old problems. And uh, as I say, your thinking outside the box is, 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 is wonderful.
1: But I think that is part of being dyslexic. Yes. You know, when, you, when you're very clever, you, you think only very clever things and uh, hang out with very, very clever people. When you're at school, when you're dyslexic, you, you're an outcast um, and you're not treated very well by your your teachers in my day because nobody really knew what dyslexia was. Cool. Uh, so therefore, you were just dumb, stupid or thick. And that does not make you feel good. And, you know, if it was in those days, they said it was 10%. Well, there was 53 in my class. There was five of us for who were dyslexics. And we were at one end of the playground and the clever folk were at the other end because they didn't want to hang out with the dummies. That's the type of thing that happens to people. And 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 a large percentage of the prison population are dyslexic because if you can't fill in a job application form, you you don't have a job. Uh, And if you can't fill in anything else, you go to crime because, you know, that gives you money. And, of course, you get put in jail. So I've been to an awful lot of jails to try and tell people with dyslexia, don't worry about it, just find something you're good at. And when you find something you're good at, you put more into it, more focus into it, more energy into it, and usually become more successful because of it. And and that's why, you know, if if you think of um, the people, the man man who made Star Wars. George Lucas. Totally dyslexic. Right. George is very dyslexic. By the way, George is a, was a good racing driver. Nobody oh, really? knows that. Oh. He did quite a lot of motor racing, George did. And that's where I met him, long before he ever did Star Wars. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and he's very dyslexic.
0: <laughs> I did not know that. Well, as you say, you know, once you find a, a different way of attacking the problem, you can fly and become so, so successful, as you've shown. And uh, well, let's get, so you're talking about uh, people you've met in your career, Um, And we'll get on to question four of the ultimate road trip, which is the passenger. Uh, You've been associated, as you say, with not just the fam, the racing family, royalty, musicians, film stars and directors, as you say, industry leaders uh, from Ford and all the uh, companies you've had ambassadorships with, including Rolex and uh, and Moet, Hennessy. And uh, it might be, again, very tricky. The ultimate road trip, your passenger Who would be in the Range Rover? You've you've alluded to your sons. Would they be with you or would there be somebody else? Um, The Princess Royal is a very good
1: driver. Is she? And he prefers to drive than be driven. Uh, The very first time we ever uh, got to be in a car, she was the Sportswoman of the Year, when I was Sportsman of the Year, yeah. Um, in 19, whatever it was, 69, was it? I think, maybe, I, I can't remember, 69, I think. And uh, we sat together at the Daily Express uh, uh, event in the Savoy to, for Sports Personality of the Year for the Express. And we started to talk about things. And she said she liked driving. And I said, well, would you like some time to come and see a racing car? You know? And she, she agreed. So I took her to Silverstone uh, one day for, I was testing the formula, well, what was the Tyrrell, actually. Yeah. And when I went to pick her up at Windsor, um, the first thing that she said was, well, I'll drive, she said, in my, in my car. And I said, well, no, ma'am, I think I'll be driving. And this, you know, at that time I was world champion. (laughs) Anyway, she thought she should be driving because she is a very good driver. And she actually drove at Silverstone that day in a racing car and, and drove it extremely well. So I would have her as one of my, if I were to be the passenger, I would be like, I'd be quite happy to be sitting next to the Princess Royal. The other great driver of royalty was, of course, King Hussein of Jordan. He was a really top driver and often won the hill climb that was in Jordan. Uh, and uh, I've been to that hill climb with him, uh, et cetera. And he was a, a top, top driver. Could have been a professional racing driver.
0: You put him in an F1 car, didn't you, if uh, if I remember rightly from your book?
1: Yes, he uh, uh, I, he drove a whole bunch of cars at Donington, um, uh, and then I thought he would like. I, I thought it'd be nice if he to drive a Formula One car. At that time, was the turbo either. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't think I should have going round Donington with a Formula One car because there was not enough runoff areas if something went wrong. And here was His Majesty, and Her Majesty, her his wife, the Queen of Jordan at that time, was there, and so was King. Um, uh, the the King of Spain Uh, no, no, the King of Greece was anyway, I took them to Bruntingthorpe which was not far from Donington and that's the longest, widest airfield in the United Kingdom.
0: Lots of runoff,
1: yeah and I, we we got the we got the, um, we got Michael Schumacher's um, um, Benetton with the Ford engine, the well, turbocharged one, and we just had him go up and down uh, just to see what a Formula One, and he was so thrilled to be able to drive a Formula One car, and he had never done that, and he was doing 200, I think he did something like 212 miles an hour down this, and we, we had cars at the other end with lights on to sort of where he had to stop or where he had to brake rather in order, we didn't want him to run off the end of the runway. Of course not. So. And we put him into the car and said, well, I think you should do, let's, let's, um, maybe three laps, sir, if you don't mind. And the three laps come. Mm. Wham! Off he goes again. <laughs> He's just done a U-turn and up again, the other straight, back down again. We couldn't get him out the car. And the queen, uh, his queen, uh, the uh, uh, said Jackie, this you've got to put a stop to this. This is ridiculous. Because you know you'll have an accident. So finally we I'm trying to say in and the arrow there and the, the thing, whoom, off he would go again. Finally ran out of fuel. <laughs> Luckily ran <laughs> Luckily. out of fuel. That was the only reason that he stopped. But he was a great enthusiast and and that was one of the highlights of his life was was driving a current Formula One car at full Whack. I mean it was a terrific day out I tell you, and he had driven Ferraris at Donington the same day. He had driven a Tittle, he had driven everything that, and some of the nice cars that, that, uh, that were, of course, at Donington at that time.
0: Fabulous. That's a wonderful story. Well, that's two great passengers. I was going to say that uh, I always remember uh, the Princess Royal was known for her reliant scimitar that uh, she was always seen driving about. I've seen the old press cuttings of her time. So she loved her cars as well as driving um, in particular. Oh,
1: great But And still is. She she loves her driving. She's a a very talented driver.
0: Let's get on to question five. Uh, The last question, which is, a song, a tune, you've been uh, friends associated with the greats of music, of popular music, Eric Clapton, your friendship with Eric Clapton and George Harrison, uh, well documented. Um, so I'm a little unsure as to where you're likely to go classical, you talk about your love of classical music in, the, in, in your autobiography, but uh, if there was one song or an album, but ideally just the one song which would... Start or finish the trip, what would that be?
1: Probably amazing grace. Yeah, amazing grace, probably. Yeah. I mean, my relationship with George was a really strong one, I, and one of the most important people I've met in my life. George Harrison, one of the best minds that I've ever had the privilege of being a friend of, if you know what I mean. Uh, people don't realize that. They think, oh, yeah, oh, you know, the Beatles, just a bunch of, you know, Liverpool boys. I mean, they've all done great things together. But George had a wonderful mind, tremendous mind, and he was an enormous enthusiast of motorsport. So he came driving a lot with us. He drove at Donington in a Formula One car. He he was a great friend. Amazing Grace was a a great number. But you know what? Uh, I've lived in a wonderful time. I've been very privileged. You know, the swinging 60s were terrific music and all the top people came to the Monaco Grand Prix, whether it was the Beatles, the whole bunch of them came right. and the Stones came and Rod Stewart used to come. And uh, apart from all the famous movie stars because of the Princess Grace attracted yes. a lot of people at the same time, the Cannes Film Festival as well. was was thing but you know eric clapton what a tremendous talent there there's a fantastic talent and his music i mean i love listening to that I, every I've, i'm listening to a lot of music at the present time because of of the virus and yeah. we've been having good weather in switzerland and and the beatles and the stones and 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 and, and uh, eric and queen there was another one i went to a lot of queen concerts and got to know them And just wonderful music, fantastic music. My father and mother were very big into music, and my father was very friendly with the conductor of the British, the Scottish Symphony Orchestra, and used to take me to big concerts in in Glasgow, uh, you know, uh, with classical music. So I've been very lucky with music. Music is a fantastic... uh, uh, it's, a, it's something of peace and it's something of energy it's got everything to it and, um, and comes I'm memories as well. one of my neighbors is a, one of my neighbors now is with Abba and they've um, just brought out new music now, just coming have. out quite yep. soon and she was telling me that, 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 that she thinks it's the best they've ever done so that'll be good to hear so. No, I mean, uh, Kiri Takano was a great friend too. Classical music. I still love classical music. Yeah. And so. You know, perfect, perfect and, for the Highlands and I'm... Yes. And, you know, we've got a very good Scottish girl who's a wonderful uh, violinist, uh, Bernadette. Yes. She's one of the best violinists now in the world. And, you know, that, that that's a friendship that I, I really cherish. Because when you win a world championship or two, you meet so many exciting people uh, that you then suddenly find that are so nice to be spending time with, that are so interesting and successful in their own world. It's always nice. That's, That's what's been nice about all of my friends, really
0: to see another world, to see uh, how people are doing in their own careers. I mean, you were saying, uh, just touched upon your couple of world championships, your three world championships, obviously well-documented, and we were talking about, you know, what we do in lockdown, listening to music, and, of course, all the motor racing events that were cancelled last year. Of course, I mentioned Goodwood Speed Week uh, earlier, and the last time we were at the Goodwood Festival of Speed was, of course, celebrating your first win uh, World Championship win, 50 years of your World Championship win, as well as your 80th birthday. That was a that was an amazing weekend, wasn't it? Driving your old uh, the old Tyrrells, 001, 003, and the rest.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful, and uh, it was just nice to have everything there. Paul and Mark were driving, were driving because we had the Matras at the Matra, and we had the two Tyrrells, and Dario Franchitti was driving my BRM that yes. one Monaco. My first victory in all Scottish. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Goodwood's a special place. I mean, there's nothing like it in the world. What His uh, Grace the Duke has created there is quite extraordinary. And I'm lucky to have the lap record there. Uh, I think it's 120.4 or something like that. Right. Uh, but way back, that was, you know, right at the beginning of my career as a Formula One driver. No, Goodwood, I think, is, is the best of its kind in the world. And I, I'll be there for the Festival of Speed as well as the revival. I mean,
0: I'm always there. <laughs> well, it would be great to see you there again. Just quickly talking about the Formula One standings. And I'd and I, I like to think that you because I've recently watched the film The Weekend of a Champion, uh, which of course celebrated 50 years, Roman Polanski's film of you in 1971. In fact, we celebrated this year 50 years of that film, which is wonderful. And I, I like to think of it, Netflix, the Netflix series Formula One Drive to Survive, obviously is all about the inner workings of a season of Formula One, which has had a fabulous ratings, but you spearheaded, you know, it was kind of the first part of your media career was that weekend. It was a fascinating insight into how you approached the Monaco Grand Prix. No commentary until the end when you were back with uh, Mr Polanski in the original suite you were staying in uh, with your wife in 71, but that must have been quite a weekend for you. But you seem so relaxed. You look on, on film, it looked so relaxing, despite the fact that you were winning the world championship, you were going to win your second world championship.
1: Well, Roman Polanski, funnily enough, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at a picture of Roman and I together, a photograph that he sent to me. He says, what is it? Uh, times, what is it? Uh, let me see what it says here. It's a lovely picture. Uh, you, you, there, there it is there. Oh, that's fabulous, yeah. Uh, um, uh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> 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 He's written in it. But you see... You know, Roman Polanski at that time was a giant um, and so creative. That was his great skill and still is to this very day. Yeah. Um, so I, we got to know each other extremely well. And it was his idea to do it. A long time after we got together as friends and he said, you know, why don't we do something together? And he came up with the weekend of a champion. Um, and sometimes he was working the cameras himself. I mean, a uh, tremendously versatile character and, and and still to this day, enormously creative and a, a fantastic mind. Um, so he's, he still remains as a very good friend. So we're, we're lucky with that. And Paul Newman, I knew quite well, who I think was the best of the drivers. I think he was even better than Steve McQueen
0: yeah.
1: as a driver. Uh, he really was a very good racing driver. Um, and I was privileged to spend quite a lot of time with him because he enjoyed coming to the test track at, uh, with Ford Motor Company right. uh, in Dearborn, Michigan. And they had another test track outside, uh, you know, in Michigan again, but a bigger one. And I, I used to, he, he wanted, he was a great friend of Mario's too, by the way. Um, and he would always come and spend the whole day with me just driving and he, he would drive and I would drive and so forth. Very smooth r- racing driver and a very, very nice man.
0: Smooth racing driver. Describe, uh, everyone describes your racing as very smooth. And uh, I always remember when I first used to watch Top Gear, I know I'm going uh, slightly off topic, but it was always described as if you were driving the track slowly, you were the quickest and obviously that was what you were known for uh, back in the day as a, as a smooth driver. And you would be the one posting the fastest times, despite the fact that it wasn't all arms and elbows in, in, in the cars. So, uh, a smooth driving uh, a race, morning. A racing car is an animal. And if you treat an animal well, it treats
1: you well. And if you treat an animal badly, it bites you. And whether that's a bear or whether it's a dog or whether it's a lion or whether it's a tiger, if you treat it nicely, it treats you nicely. And a racing car, to I learned it from Jim Clark. To I mean, naturally, you, you God was very generous to me in giving me some skills in that respect. But you then have to polish those skills, and, and you've got to see how other people do it. And I was lucky that I was able to be a friend of Jim Clark's. And he was by far the smoothest, cleanest driver that I ever raced against, for example. And it's the same as Fangio was. He's the ultimate hero for me. But he was, again, smooth and clean and easy with a car. So I I think it's it's something I learned um, and I was able to develop and I had very few mechanical failures, A, because I had very good engineers mechanics. But if you abuse a car, it's like anything. It's like, like a human relationship. If you yeah. abuse people, you lose them. The, 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 a car does the same. An animal does the same. I love my dogs to this very day. My, my dogs are important in my life. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's animals or people or cars, or, and I, I'm sure the same with aeroplanes. You know, yes. yeah. um, if you're sweet and and tender with the car, and caress it rather than bully it, it'll always be better. Mm-hmm. Being the champion of the late breaker doesn't earn very many championships. <laughs>
0: So, Jackie, I could go on talking to you all morning, but we haven't even touched upon, of course, your influence in, in the uh, safety of racetracks since, of course, that dreadful year. Uh, it's like in April 68, was it? And you, and you said you've known friends, over 50 friends who've died in, in crashes over the years. I'd have loved to talk about your, your influence in, in the and uh, your spearheading uh, the, uh, the safety side of things in Formula One. But that'll be another day i think um all i can say this morning thank you so much for your time for the podcast so we'll just go over it again it's a long wheelbase range rover from Lomond north through scotland with her royal highness and, Princess the- and the islands of course with amazing grace as the tune that sounds wonderful and uh we look forward to hearing so much more about positive breakthroughs with this very important charity that you've set up and obviously also look forward to seeing you at events hopefully later this year with the Goodwood Festival Speed and Goodwood Revival. So uh, thank you again, Sir Jackie Stewart, for your time this morning on the Ultimate Road Trip podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me.